Welcome to this episode. Um, I have with me uh, Dr. J.P. Shah. He's a physiatrist and clinical investigator in the Rehabilitation Medicine Department at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, the U.S. His interests include the pathophysiology and myofascial pain and the integration of physical medicine techniques with promising complementary approaches in the management of neuromuscular skeletal pain and dysfunction. He's completed the UCLA Medical Acupuncture course and a two-year Bravewell Fellowship at the Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. I also have with me Dr. Alime Buyuk. Uh, she's a pelvic health physiotherapist, an academic and clinical investigator in the field of pelvic floor health in the Faculty of Health Sciences, Department of Physiotherapy and Rehabilitation at the Akdeniz University in Antalya, Turkey. Her interests include chronic myofascial pelvic pain and dysfunction and pelvic health physiotherapy. She is a highly acclaimed educator and is the first physiotherapist and non-American to ever receive the prestigious Dr. Fred Howard Early Investigator Award for her novel and clinically impactful studies on chronic pelvic pain. I also have with me our producer, uh, Aditi Bhatt. A special shout out to our colleague, uh, Ailita Matosova, who helped me out with uh, some of the questions that I'm going to ask. And my name is Vivek Narayan. Dr. Shah, Dr. Buyuk, welcome to the episode. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So, so as we usually like to begin, um, how is it that both of you started to work together? Uh, and if you could perhaps give us also a bit of insight into what got you interested in your respective uh, uh, fields of interest. And Jay, since I introduced you first, I'm going to let Alime uh, kick off this particular answer round. So. Yeah, it's an interesting story. I will let, you know, Jay tell that story as well, because, you know, he's telling so nice. But it was a, it was a you know, my official... Um, pain course in Turkey and then I just attend there and then I that's why I met you know Jay Shah Dr. Jay Shah and then he he almost you know leads my you know PhD uh, and then I just you know got the idea okay my official you know trigger points it may affect chronic pelvic pain you know pathophysiology as well so you know I just want to focus on that field yeah that's why I you know that's why I'm together with Jay Shah today so yeah. we just yeah, you can keep going on, Jay. So because you know we, yeah, we that, came uh, in Canada as well. It's a yeah, it's a yeah. Small so it just been it's been an evolving um, history uh, and our uh, our relationship and our friendship. Um, so just to get a little bit of background. So I'm a physiatrist. It'll be 30 years that I've been here at the clinical center uh, coming up in July. And uh, going back prior to meeting Ali May, uh, my team here. One of the projects we've been involved with uh, Vivek is. Uh, looking at uh, musculoskeletal manifestations of chronic pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. And so we have published a number of papers showing that patients who have chronic pelvic pain um, with and without endometriosis are more likely to have signs of sensitization, which we'll talk about, more likely to have myofascial trigger points, yes? Yep. And they clearly have changes um, in the brain in terms of manifestations with depression and anxiety and sleep problems, and all these things. So to give you an idea of how much the field is now evolving and changing, just this past month, um, the World Endometriosis Research Foundation 
um, held another had their annual meeting and um, um, one of my colleagues uh, was invited to present their, our work there and we we are coming out essentially with a white paper uh, I was invited mm-hmm. to participate in that to really um, expand um, the way that we assess the way that chronic pelvic pain is being assessed because from a gynecologic perspective it's much of the time focused only on the viscera and on lesions but thanks mm-hmm. to Ali May's work, as we will learn, we're understanding now the role that muscles have, that movement has, um, et cetera. So we're, we're going to be discussing that interface. And that's kind of how we met uh, in terms of our interests. And then in 2019, as she said, this I have to share the story. I was invited to give a lecture um, in Istanbul on, on the things that I lecture and teach about. And the person who invited me pointed to the back of the room and said, look, there's the, there is Turkey's um, expert on chronic pelvic pain. And, of course, I'm expecting to see someone senior, someone with my hair loss, or at least, you know, a little bit older. And all I see are these young people. And I'm saying, who are you talking about? <laughs> so, and then she said, Ali May. So, anyway, uh, that's – so, I, I, you know, Ali May and I started talking. We started realizing we had a lot of interests. Then we reconnected just this past year, reconnected uh, – physically in terms of seeing each other again uh, at the uh, International Fascia Congress in Montreal. And uh, she participated in our workshop and she met some of my other colleagues, John included. So she's met John. And then um, she invited me to Antalya. So I lectured in Antalya and we started to see just again how much our work can overlap. And uh, then she invited me back. We came, we visited in uh, uh, in Istanbul in March. But uh, what's fascinating, Vivek, is also, her perspective has also been expanded to not only look at the pelvic floor, but look at what you what we discussed with John, which was mm-hmm. sensitization. So yeah. there's yeah. where we can really help educate our colleagues as well as the public about how important it is to look at this in a more amplified way. Anyway, that's a long way of answering your, your question. Right, right. And and for the listeners, uh, the, the chronology of the episodes, uh, you know, you had uh, Jay mention John. Uh, so there is an episode that was recorded earlier, which will be out uh, before you actually see this episode. So please do go ahead and uh, refer to that if you'd uh, like a deeper sort of uh, understanding of central sensitization. But a quick question for Alime. Um, how is it that you became Turkey's leading expert in uh, chronic pelvic floor pain? Um, I, there is a fascinating uh, story over here. I think the listeners would be kind of uh, interested in learning more about that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's an interesting story. Let me share that. I was working as a physiotherapist after my bachelor. As you know, we were just, uh, working with uh, we were working with disabled children or in hospitals or in, in rehabilitation centers. And then I started to, you know, uh, take a job, get a job, and then working with hospitals and then after disabled children. But I I didn't feel that I satisfied my, you know, my work because I was just, you know, uh, surging my area, my expertise. So which, you know, field shall I shall I be specialized? Because it's 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 a it's a big area, right? It's a big, you know, mm-hmm. uh, expertise, uh, physiotherapy as, especially. So when I, while I was working with um, disabled children, I was questioning their, you know, parents, their parents, you know, uh, pelvic health issues because I was aware of before when I'm uh, when uh, when I'm in, uh, when I was doing my, you know, Erasmus study in, in Germany. I was just aware of uh, pelvic health, uh, 
mm-hmm. dysfunctions and then I was questioning them how is the you know how is your constipation how is the you know the several children constipation level or urinary incontinence or about what about your sexual life right because you know it's it's more interesting than treating cerebral palsy or hemiplegia patients so I started to take some courses after that because I've got some problems as well. Mm-hmm. As a Turkish, traditional Turkish woman, I got, you know, so many troubles about my sexual life when I get married. And then I just started to take courses because, you know, I didn't know anything about, you know, relationships, sexual life. And then I, I, I you know, uh, I experienced them. So I started to learn you know, what is the vaginismus, what is dyspareunia, what is dysmenorrhea, what about sexual dysfunctions and afterwards, you know, uh, sexual dysfunctions and afterwards pelvic uh, floor dysfunctions. And I, I, I over, overcome my problems. And then after that, I realized that there are many women in such a, such a you know, uh, such a big number of women in that condition, even, even I'm a physiotherapist in that country, is a well-educated, you know, person. Even I experienced this problem. So mm-hmm. many people, you know, experience that. So that's, you know, all that together, that's, that's you know, um, that lead my life. My problem and my, you know, background and my interest lead, lead, leads me to become a public health physiotherapist. That's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, no, I think that's quite impactful. And, and I think there's a lot of people uh, listening in. Uh, I think that kind of resonates with, with their own personal experience, but also perhaps, uh, you know, if there's other people out there who are listening in and are motivated uh, to pursue a particular career, then, you know, you can see a personal story, how it has really uh, almost driven uh, uh, Alime over here. So I think that's uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Um, for the audience members, uh, both uh, you know the professionals that are tuning in, and uh, perhaps even for some of the lay people who are interested in this, um, could you define for us what chronic pelvic pain is, and perhaps uh, you know allude to some of the causes, uh, at least the common causes, and then maybe uh, Jay, we can sort of bring you in, and you know maybe you could describe some of what I'm just going to call modifiers. Um, yeah. Uh, because, you Absolutely. know, it's not very straightforward. So yeah. No, it's not straightforward, but but also I'll let Ali may take the first part of the question and I'll take the second where I'll kind of show you this, what happens in terms of the somatovisceral, which means it basically means the connection between muscle and organs, because yeah. that's so relevant to the work that she's doing, the work that I'm doing, and the work that we're doing together. So please, Ali may, why don't you first defa- define chronic pelvic pain? <laughs> So I want to show, you know, what the pelvis is. Everyone maybe knows that, aware of that. But, you know, uh, in the literature and the research, we just, you know, accept that term. If you have pain below the umbilicus, adductor ties or, you know, gluteal areas or the hamstring areas, let's say lower extremity, pelvis and lower abdomen. So we are, uh, we are just, you know, getting that terms like chronic pelvic pain. And if it takes, you know, more than six months, it's becoming chronic. So that's why it's, it's, it's pelvic pain and chronic pelvic pain. We can separate it. And it may cause many things. You, uh, Jay will, you know, mention about that. But mainly as a physical therapy perspective, we are just interested in their, you know, musculoskeletal issues because you can see the female pelvis 
is there and it's surrounded by muscles and fascia. But commonly it's, uh, you know, underestimate also, um, you know, so many experts, patients doesn't have any awareness of that and then maybe underestimate the musculoskeletal issues on that. So that's why we uh, we just, you know, give or expand our expertise on that area on from the, that muscle from the top to bottom and that's why you know it 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 may conclude so many you know painful conditions during you know uh, their function so also javel um, described that somatovisceral and viscerovisceral connection between that because pain is mm-hmm. very complex right right yeah so if i may share screen and I can show you what uh, Ali May is describing. Okay. Can you see my slides? Yep. Yep. Okay, great. So um, as you can see from this title, um, this is a, a workshop, actually a webinar that Ali May and I did, as well as a, a workshop that we're teaching. Uh, so these are some of the concepts. So just to educate the audience. So the concept of trigger points comes from Travell and Simons, who emphasize the importance of palpation. So as a physiatrist, Vivek, I'm looking for those trigger points, those hyper-irritable nodules that, as you can see, reproduce the patient's symptomatic pain. And the trigger point manual has a beautiful um, anatomical description of the muscles, the functional anatomy. It shows you the most common referral patterns. Now, let's go. And this is what you would define as hyperalgesia, because you use Uh, that word often. And yeah, yeah, hyper. In this case, I said hyper-irritable. Hyper okay. irritable trigger points are hyper irritable, meaning when you press on them, the, they're very tender, as opposed mm-hmm. to just moving your finger slightly away from that trigger point to where um, their muscle appears softer, not as irritable. Um, so these trigger points can have hyperalgesia, but as I'll show you, they can also have allodynia. We'll talk about those concepts. Right, right. right. And allodynia for everyone is pain it's, where it's not supposed to be painful where right? it's not supposed to be pain to a non-painful stimulus and i'll show yeah. you that in a moment okay but so what you see here vivek is a trigger point in the pelvic floor and this is ali may's area of expertise and passionate interest and so she has done over a thousand intra-pelvic floor palpation examination and treatment and what we understand about these trigger points is that they're a source of persistent bombardment into the dorsal horn of the spinal cord. And the reason that's so important is because that can lead to more sensitization. So again, what Anima is going to show you is how important it is to be able to palpate the pelvic floor muscles. Now, the other thing I want to emphasize here is what she just said is that, so the bombardment could come from the muscle. It could also come from the viscera. And this information will summate, meaning it will it will add be additive in the dorsal horn, which is that part of the spinal cord, the information is being processed. And so one of the consequences of that is this. You see here, there's a structure, it's called the WDR neuron, and this is located in a part of the spinal cord that is activated a lot by trigger points. And this is why patients will often experience somatovisceral pain, meaning pain that appears to be coming from the viscera, but actually is originating in the muscle, or viscerosomatic, meaning pain that is, seems to be felt in the muscle, but it may be originating in the visceral structure. And of course, patients can also have trigger points in their external musculature, as you can see in the rectus abdominis muscle. So the point that Ali May and I like to make, 
And it's been demonstrated now that once a patient's lesion has been treated, let's say the endometriosis is gone, but the pain, the pain persists. Why? This is because of central sensitization. And like you said, Vivek, please, I urge the audience to go back and look at the talk that John and I gave um, in terms of the, this discussion about central sensitization, neurogenic inflammation, etc. So the other things that can be very distressing to the patient is when the pain receptive field gets larger and larger. And so the tests that we do are involved for looking for signs of, as you said, allodynia. So I think you would all agree that this is a non-painful stimulus. I'm just pinching the skin and rolling it. But we've demonstrated in our studies here at the NIH that patients with chronic pelvic pain with and without endometriosis have more allodynia. They also have more hyperalgesia, which is, as you can see here, pain to a normally, I mean, this is more pain to a noxious stimulus. So this is a pinwheel, okay? It's a sharp edge instrument, and it's a pinwheel. We actually sort of call it a pizza cutter, but it doesn't cut anything. And you can see the patient react right there because she's saying, oh, that's more painful. And of course, as Alamea will discuss, pain referral patterns. So this is what's really critical to understand. One last thing I'll mention here is that um, Ali May gave a, a webinar with one of the leading, he's now retired, um, gynec uh, urologists. Um, and this was in May and I participated as well. And one of the things that he said was so key for your audience to understand, one of the most important therapies and most effective is physical therapy, as particular as it relates to the pelvic floor. So I'll stop at that point and let you continue, Ali May, or Vivek, with your questions. Well, it just occurred to me, and I think uh, uh, sometimes people may forget that the at least the female, I mean, the pelvic area in general is rich in innervation, rich in blood supply, rich in organs, and the female uh, uh, pelvis even more so. So I imagine it's just, uh, I imagine proper assessment is maybe key to really identifying potentially what the root cause is, and then from there sort of, uh, uh, you know, leading treatment or at least managing the, the particular case. Uh, Alime, could you give us a sense of, um, you know, how easy, how difficult is it to do proper assessment? Uh, what is your role as, quote unquote, a physiotherapist in that particular assessment? Is it uh, does the case get handed to you for only for treatment? Uh, what I'm trying to understand over here is, um, and the, for the audience members, the context over here is, uh, Alame is very popular on social media and also um, has what I would almost describe as leading a movement within Turkey where now there's uh, several hundreds uh, of, of uh, physiotherapists who are now sort of uh, I don't necessarily want to put Alime on the spot and call it the Alime way, but um, I certainly <laughs> think uh, as the as the leader of the movement, I'm going to refer to it as a movement. Uh, yeah, so give us a sense. Uh, you know, what is it that your particular uh, approach, uh, how is it different diagnosis, assessment, uh, treatment, you know, that kind of a thing? Oh, thank you so much, Vivek. I'm not that, you know, I'm not a, doing my protocol at all. I'm just, you know, bringing all the information to Turkey and, you know, they're just sharing, just sharing, you know, our experiences. First of all, it's not common to see, you know, a vagina from a pelvic health physiotherapist, right? Because so this, this is my vagina pillow. It's, you know, this is clitoris. This is, you know, vagina in there. So normally we're examining, you know, right now, right there, 
uh, as an intrapelvic assessment, we call intrapelvic. So normally, normal gynecologists generally use that technique before ultrasound. And then they also, you know, use their fingers to assess, you know, where is the cervix, where is the uterus, is that the middle line, and then they're palpating, you know, uh, some some visceral, you know, uh, structures. But we are palpating at the same time muscles. So how we assess muscles? So we can assess muscles, let's say that, from the, you know, introitus, we, if we replace our fingers with the glow hand and lubrication, if we replace like, you know, one digit fingers, we can assess superficial pelvic floor muscles, which is bulbous pongiosus, ischiocavernosus, transversus perineum, and then, you know, anal sphincter. So it's very important to, you know, understand that, the tone, understand, you know, the tonus or she has any pain in thyroiditis, or let me, you know, uh, get a draw a clock here, or, you know, if she has a pain, you know, which way of the clock, like let's say 12 is there, 6 is there. So if she has pain more, you know, 1, 2, 3 region of the, you know, clock, so we may, you know, think about superficial urogenital, you know, diaphragm, or if she has more pain for five, six o'clock. So I may, you know, consider about levoteranei muscles, which means, you know, deep pelvic floor muscles. So we are assessing pelvic floor muscles, tone, flexibility, contractibility, and also, is there any trigger point in there? Because we are very used to do it. If the, you know, if the problem is in trapezius, we are very getting used to that, right? Mm -hmm. We are palpating, and then on that palpating, you know, we are just feeling the nodules in there, so we call trigger points, right? And then we are using so many techniques, manual therapies, myofascial releases, even dry needling. But if the problem is on the pelvic floor muscles, we just, you know, freeze. So I basically tell my people that it's very, you know, easy. And then, you know, you, you, you just need to specialize because this is a not, not a bachelor degree courses. Mm -hmm. In everywhere in the world, it's, you know, you need to advance your skill if you want to be a pelvic floor physiotherapist. That's why pelvic floor dysfunctions should treated by pelvic floor physiotherapist. Not osteopaths, not a bachelor physiotherapist, not, you know, maybe orthopedic, um, orthopedic based physiotherapist, because they may treat, you know, in some part of that. Mm -hmm. But if, if 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 this is a purely pelvic floor dysfunction, yeah. we need to do intrapelvic examination, and that it it you know it needs ex expertise on that. Right, that, right. Ali, May, you said that so profoundly well, and I can't. If I could just add one more thing to that, Vivek, um, I work with a physical therapist. He's here as part of our team, and she's also a pelvic. She's a pelvic health. I mean, she's she specializes in, in pelvic floor disorders and we talk about titles of lectures and titles of talks and she has a subtitle when she's talking about this of putting the pelvis back in the body <laughs> meaning great. just just your point vivek is that we have to understand and especially men right i mean and um like you said you alluded to all the things that are associated in terms of the number of organs and the richness of the nervous system and all those things and then I'll, we want to discuss obviously about what happens let's say for example with dysmenorrhea 
and other things associated with this top-down approach as well. We could talk about that in terms of anxiety, um, uh, you know, taboos, uh, pa patients, um, you know, sort of uh, you know, more pain being exacerbated by shame, for example. How is that playing into all this, you know? So I just think that what Alime is doing in Turkey is just so brilliant because she's so modest about it too, is that she's enlightening. And uh, that's what's, that's what's being, I think is transformative um, about what she's leading that movement. As you said, Vivek, you called it exactly as you saw it. She's leading a movement and that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So this is something that, you know, we had come up with uh, within our research. Um, and again, I want to thank my colleague, uh, Ailita for sort of bringing this to light. Uh, she was doing research, uh, on uh, chronic pelvic pain, uh, lower back pain with within uh, sort of women in India. And one of the big things was, you know, uh, maybe there is a gold standard, but people aren't necessarily aware of it. Uh, yeah. There is a reluctance to talk about a particular issue. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people are uh, of the belief that, you know, this is just how it is. And, you know, Alime, as you were showing me the model of the pelvic floor, you know, it, as a medical student, like I saw that and I'm thinking, oh, you know, the head, the baby's head needs to fit uh, <laughs> in that particular area. If it's not going to fit, it's going to be a bit of a problem. You know, there's so many things that happen to the pelvic floor. It's, it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, one of the statistics that we had was, I think, one in seven women, yeah. at least in the U.S., yeah. have uh, uh, issues related to this. So it is relatively common. It seems to be unaddressed. There seems to be a gap in uh, both assessment and effective management. Uh, and of course, Jay, what you're alluding to is, you know, the first step, which is how do you even get the patient to come to a provider, right? Saying, right with the voice that, look, something is happening. I want to make sure that is well, this normal? Is this not normal? You know, those sorts of things. I think so. I'll let Ali may speak to it. But one of the things I want to emphasize is the discussion we had when we all met first time with Alita and Aditi and our group was talking about this. And that really is we need to empower women to not just accept what they may have been told by their mothers, by their aunts, by their older sisters. Oh, this is just normal part of reproductive sexual life and you just have to live with it no that's not acceptable if you have persistent pain there is a reason for it and you need to go be assessed by it and the what alimi said is so true you have to go to see a specialist who specializes in the pelvic floor and pelvic health so so you know many of my colleagues and i all as well i i have not trained in, in intrapelvic i know what i don't know Okay, and I know when to refer patients to people like my colleague Cecily, who's a like pelvic uh, health physiotherapist uh, here, and who does research with our group, and people like Ali May. So I think that's one of the most important take-home messages for patients and for our colleagues. To to it should raise an alarm bell. This is not normal, and we'll talk about some of the things related to that as well. I think later. But Ali May, please, I would you you. This is your your stage. Actually, before we get into uh, some of the work that Alime has done on creating awareness and sort of, you know, that first line of the patient coming to the provider, um, let's just briefly uh, circle back to some of the causes, uh, some of the common causes. Uh, I, I want to wrap that piece up before we get to the awareness, because I know that the awareness part is going to be uh, a different conversation and it's also probably going to be an interesting conversation. So, yeah. 
Yeah, Vivek, it's you you know, as you told that, it's pregnancy. Every, you know, pregnant lady should get a postpartum care by pelvic health physiotherapists. They should, you know, assess by pelvic health physiotherapists as well, because you know, it's a it's a you know long time. It's nine months and then it it becomes to you know getting a two, three hundred, you know, gram uh embryo and then it becomes, you know, three to you know three or you know maybe four kilos baby then and then they pelvic floor muscles carry all the you know all the time that uterus amniotic you know fluid and baby so they may you know they may you know uh getting long and then getting you know weak uh all the time even you know she got a c-section even she 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 got a vaginal delivery whatever so pregnancy is a big issue that it may cause pelvic floor dysfunction. It's a natural, you know, way, but every woman get a postpartum care, I can say that. And the second thing is, is a pathologic-based, you know, uh, conditions like endometriosis, like ir- irritable bowel syndromes, like, you know, interstitial If they have, you know, some organic pathology behind that, it may reflect as you know, maybe Jay mentioned in, in his pod, uh, podcast by, you know, uh, viscerosomatic way. So mm-hmm. it may reflect to the muscle, of course, to the viscera. And then she may feel after, you know, the exc- excision just, you know, uh, taken by, she may feel pain right there. So, so many gynecologists, they didn't, pa- they, they didn't you know, believe the woman that, oh, we just, you know, we ex- we access your you know uh, lesion. We got your surgery. Everything is very clean. But she she still has pain, right? She still has has you know that pure pain. So how come? Yeah. Hey, Jay. I, I want to reinforce something she just said because I want the audience, your your public, to understand this. I have it. I have had so many patients say to me. Um, after they had their lesions treated, endometriosis lesions, whether it's surgery or hormonal treatment, oh, my gynecologist said, I shouldn't have pain. (laughs) I shouldn't have. And I'm like, well, you do have pain. It's our job as physicians, as pelvic, and as Ali Mays, pelvic health physiotherapist, to understand why you have pain. What is the mechanism of that pain? So here's where I want to emphasize a clear and crystal point for our, um, and really a clarion call, for our colleagues in medicine. Don't just focus on lesions. We said the same thing in my talk with John. Don't just focus on whether the patient has arthritis and because the arthritis is a lesion, you know, it's arthritic changes in the spine, that, oh, that's the cause of your pain or it's in the joint. That must be the cause of your pain. So this this case, if it's the, if the lesion is there, that's why you have the pain. We take the lesion out, the patient the pain should be gone. That overlooks completely this process of sensitization and understanding of somatovisceral and viscerosomatic effects. So really what Ali Mae is doing through her social media and what you're doing through this podcast, Alita is doing, uh, all of you guys, uh, Aditi, is we're trying to raise awareness, empower women, empower patients, empower couples, and then help our colleagues in the medical world start to understand how important this is uh, in terms of assessment and proper treatment. So I'll leave it at that so let's let's dig into that right so you know i think what we're really talking about you know if if 
if there was a, a, a master's of public health student who was listening in, they'd probably be like, oh, they're talking about patient education, but they're also talking about provider education, right? So, mm-hmm. and education, there's an awareness component to it uh, as well. So let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about what it is that, you know, Alime, you're doing, I'm going to bucket it as both patient and provider uh, awareness and education, but then we can also shift to what is it that we can do to better educate our providers as well. Mm-hmm. That's very important because, you know, we need to just start our uh, session with patient educations. Even she is a doctor, even she's a radiologist, even she's got a, you know, medical field or background, we are telling their pelvic floor muscles. So what it looks like and then how it, you know, replace and what is, what is the function and then how the pain just causes that problem. So it, it may, you know, it may lead them. Uh, the better understanding, even even there, you know, uh, getting a medical background. It's very interesting that because I didn't skip that part because, oh, you are medical. Okay, I skipped that part. No, because, you know, this part is very, very important for, you know, any anybody to to feel that what it causes. Let's say if if someone has a pudental neuralgia, okay, it's like a carpal tunnel syndrome in, 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 in the wrist. It's very visible when it's, in, when it's you know, happens in there. But what about pudental neuralgia patients? They are miserable. They are just, you know, getting diagnosis. At least they see, they have seen, you know, seven, you know, experts. One of the studies just showed, yeah, you know, showed that they are just, you know, uh, getting diagnosis very late and very hard as well. So it, it's just, you know, uh, the nerve uh, entrapment, pudental nerve entrapment in the sacrotuberis and sacrospinous ligament in there. So it may easy for us to assess and, you know, stretch and, you know, release that maybe, you know, that part. But mm-hmm. so many women, they're going to surgery and then they're cutting their ligaments. Look, all the pelvic biomechanical, you know, uh, system is just changing. Mm-hmm. So we need to, you know, uh, tell them what is their problem. Mm-hmm. If endometriosis-based pelvic pain, we are just telling them what is endometriosis? what she has in that condition and then how it, you know, uh, become a problematic way, you know, it become, you know, adhesions in there. So that's why she need mobilization exercises and it may need, you know, uh, uh, I mean, endometriosis may lead, you know, inflammatory process. That's why she needs to do some exercises, regular exercises as an inflammatory effect. So we are telling them their condition at first, and then we are leading them why you need to do that things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because patient education got, you know, got your your work 90%. If you're very good at to do that, so, you know, your work is just getting, uh, getting released and then patient can manage her pain management or his pain management. So I think pain management and patient education is just, you know, stick together and then when we are uh, doing good at you know to teach that she she may understand uh to you know manage her condition better or his condition better and and to give the audience a, a bit of uh, uh as i mentioned there's i think Alima, you had, it's about like a thousand people now that uh, have in some way form or the other been uh, uh trained as uh, so these are physiotherapists that are now providing uh, some of the uh, care that you're describing. And this has happened, if I remember correctly, within a period of about three years or so. 
Oh, for how many patients are you? I, uh, how, I have how many, no, not patients. How many clinicians no. you've, you've trained? How many clinicians? Oh, how many clinicians? Trained? Okay, that's great number. Yeah. So we have been teaching for six years right now uh, in Turkey. Yeah, and then it's you know we we just started with the with a, a mentor from Australia. Can you imagine that? It's a very you know overseas, not from Europe, mm-hmm. and then she you know accept that you know come to and see us, and then we just you know. Uh, started to get trained and now it become a thousand let me check i just wrote it there <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like yeah. it's like the national debt it just keeps yeah. going up and up <laughs> every every two months we are every two hours it changes Ali, mate. <laughs> every two months let's say that now it's a okay. thousand two hundred eighty three people around the turkey in in in, wow. in our data international public health institute data has that so it's increasing, you know, month by month because we're getting, you know, uh, gathering together and then we're putting some mm. uh, workshop, even, you know, ne- uh, upcoming uh, uh, months in, Ju- in June, we are doing vag- vaginismus and dyspareunia workshop in Turkey. So it's, this is the first time we are doing that. Yeah. During yeah. the six years, we were focusing on pain and urogynecological dysfunctions. And now it's time to, you know, talk sexual yeah. dysfunctions yeah. right now yeah. yeah so from from the lab from the lab to the pub <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that thanks jed that's a nice uh, that's a nice plug and we'll we'll put links well, to yeah, that. i know i know you will that i wanted just to yeah yeah just put that in there so we make sure we don't forget that <laughs> um clearly there's you know my sense of it that there's you've tapped into an unmet need uh it's 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 brilliant that uh, the approach has accelerated to such a degree, but perhaps bring us back to you know the early years. Uh, was and Turkey is not a, a, a homogenous society. It's you know there are some uh, uh, groups that are probably more liberal, some groups that are perhaps more conservative. Um, describe to us maybe some of the difficulties that you may have faced as you were trying to you know go out there and say, look, this is important. We need to talk about it. We can't talk about it without actually showing you a model of the pelvic floor, without telling you, hey, this is what a vagina looks like. I mean, this couldn't necessarily have been easy, at least in the beginning. I certainly think it's not easy right now either, but give us a sense of that. Yeah. yeah like you're, you're so right. Turkey is a very traditional country, okay? And then I start my career not in Istanbul, okay? It's Istanbul is a modern city. I start my career in a town. It's a, you know, near Antalya that named Alanya. And then, you know, so many people, so many pregnant ladies just visiting our clinic. And then I may, you know, getting, you know, struggling a little bit, uh, you know, to tell about their sexual function. But I just, you know, bring back to the table pregnancy and then changes pelvic floor muscle because they need that. And mm-hmm. after that, so months by month, I'm just, you know, uh, month by month, I'm just, you know, asking them, questioning them. Do you have any pain? Do you have any, you know, incontinence? Do you have any constipation? Or do you have any pain during your sexual relationship, during your intercourse? Or or are you keep going on, you know, getting, you know, sexual active? So while I'm questioning this, you know, step by step, they trust me and then we gotta, you know, mm. uh, very nice society. So they bring, they bring their, you know, moms, mother-in-law, you know, their neighbors to us. So we just surprised that it was a 
routine gynecologic, you know, uh, clinic just just for you know just for pregnant ladies, and then it became a women's health clinic. So we mm-hmm. we put our name like a gyno gynophysio. Is is it? How can I say it's in in English? Like a gynecology and physiology, we put together gynophysio women. I'm not quite sure, but gynophysio. <laughs> I think gyno, gynophysio. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I just have I just have to interrupt after hearing that Vivek, you know, you're in the West as am I. It's like it comes like it, it takes a village, right? And yeah. in this case, literally, it started organically in a village, yeah. and now it's like spread like wildfire. I mean, that's that's amazing. But like you said, the untapped, unmet, unrecognized, overlooked need. <laughs> this is huge. And I yeah. think you recognize it. Aditi recognizes it. Alita. So imagine in India what, what it must be with some of the same, if not worse, cultural issues um, that, are, that are going on uh, or in terms of you know, uh, taboos and misconceptions that are just passed down from one generation to the next. But I just love the way that she did this. It's like, you know, pregnancy is a part of life. And so how are things happening now after your pregnancy? Oh, I'm having this problem, this problem. And then she helps them solve it. Oh, my mother's also having this problem. Okay, that way she was pregnant 30 years ago. Okay, let's bring her in. Let's take a look, you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's I mean, brilliant. You know, from Absolutely public brilliant. Health, from a pub, no, I agree. Uh, from a public health perspective, there is this thing, right, which is, if you want to target maternal and child health, it's probably mm. done in and around when the woman is first pregnant because they need care. And that's yeah. the weight, at least in India, this was the, you know, yeah. let's, let's, let's layer on all the health that we can, all the questions, right. you know, are you eating right? Are you vaccinated? How mm-hmm. you So yes, uh, I think, and perhaps in more conservative societies, it may be easier for pregnant women to get care because for whatever reason, now we're all concerned about the child. And, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, this is not a political argument that I'm making. No, I think I it's more of a practical, uh, just an approach to how yeah. uh, society is thinking about uh, uh, access to care for women in particular. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something that I want to bring up, which I think really puts into context. Um, so the last three years, two, two and a half years of those six years have been under the uh, pandemic conditions. And I believe you have leveraged technology to really accelerate, uh, you know, some of the outreach or some of the communication that you've been doing. Uh, Could you give us a sense of, and I think there's two pieces over here. There's, uh, I'm just going to call it out um, for everyone who isn't a follower of anime on Instagram, consider uh, doing so right now. Um, so there is, there's the sort of social media piece and then there's the, what maybe we would say digital technology or, you know, the sort of the novel area of, uh, digital health tech and digital uh, technology. So take us through that, um, you know, uh, Instagram, well, let's start with digital health tech and then sort of go from clinical to the Instagram social piece. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great because, you know, that's why we, we, ha- it's, it's not about, you know, that we have a high technology in Turkey. So that's why, you know, I use technology in on my, you know, uh, clinic visit. That's that's because of lack of uh, facilities in here. Even, you know, in my university place, in my research laboratory, I, I, I didn't get enough, you know, room to see my patient. 
So, you know, I was thinking that how I can see my patient then. And then also there is a lack of therapists in Turkey. So how can I see my patients? Because they're all over the Turkey. And just before the pandemic, they were visiting me just for two days, just for weekends, because, you know, I was just available at, at weekends then. So we may think about it. And then what if we see each other online? So Zoom was not popular at that time. But I know that from the meetings. And then I started to use Zoom application to, you know, from Zoom, just, you know, getting and started to educate them uh, about, you know, their pain and condition. And if they didn't manage or didn't, you know, uh, get on that field, so they may visit me. They started to visit me after that. So it was like, it was like, you know, six days, two days, three days, intense protocol. We, We just, you know, created And then some of them, they just, you know, started to uh, decrease their symptoms. And then I was questioning that how I can do that. Even I didn't touch. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is that? What is that called? So pandemic came and then I started to see all my patients online, like everybody else. But it's very unique to see pelvic health patients from internet, right? It's not not usual. And then I Mm -hmm. was just questioning, okay. What I am doing, because I'm a researcher as well, right? And there is not any study about telehealth on chronic pelvic pain. And I manage that. I'm just teaching them their massage and techniques and all the, you know, relax, releasing, you know, uh, myofascial uh, techniques that, and then they apply. And after that, after, you know, following session, they, you know, reported me less pain, you know, more quality of life or just, you know, less symptom. How can I do that? I was questioning that and I started mm-hmm. to do my research and then, uh, you know, I, I, I was just about to finish that, all the result, results because it takes, yeah, it took two years right now. Mm-hmm. It works. It works, Vivek. So all they need is very nice leading. We need to lead them. That's all. We need to mm-hmm. teach them, lead them, and then, you, you know, tell them all their con- conditions related their problems. So I think it's very effective. Uh, I just, you know, find that it's very effective. That's why I use that telehealth technology. And then I just, you know, uh, started to do some presentations. I started to do my, you know, video programs. Some, you know, I put some video channel, YouTube channel for them to get a, you know, free access to watch the exercises uh, about, you know, their conditions. And then I, we just, you know, uh, facilitate, facilitate their, you know, uh, their richness, let's say, let's say, you know, and then after that, it happens that so telehealth can work right now. Mm-hmm. No, that's brilliant. Um, and I believe there's a paper out that you have published, um, and that is in print, or is it already out? Uh, we, I, we'll link to it if it's already been published. So um, before, uh, I know that both of you are doing a workshop for the, uh, Primus 2023 conference, which is going to be in the end of uh, September, uh, before we get into, uh, the work that you're going to be doing over there and the sessions that you're going to run, um, Alime, is there anything that you'd like to share with regards to the stuff that you do on Instagram? Uh, you know, there are some frank conversations, um, with, with humor that, that are, that are had. Um, I also think that's part of the uh, Alime playbook, uh, and I think it 
makes sense for the audience to really understand why that's important. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a serious teacher. I won't, I won't be, you know, uh, if it's possible. So I, I just want to, you know, make jokes on that because, you know, our subject is very fragile and then people are very shy to talk about it, but it's very natural and it's, you know, everybody has, it's like a pee and poo, you know, sex is just, you know, sexual, sexual relations is just, you know, pee and poo. It's very normal. So I just, uh, you know, started to, talk with, with with my friends you know with um about you know about diseases about you know genital herpeses about you know uh conception techniques about orgasms so it it you know um it become more and more bigger and bigger and then we just we, they just need to ask me that okay Alime, so if what if we, you know, gathering in the pub? What if we, you know, getting our, you know, tea together and then, you know, getting love on that? So I got some, you know, uh, nice presents from my patients. Even, you know, she's a radiologist. She put me that vulva, <laughs> vulva pillow for me. And then I'm always bringing back to, you know, pub, pub talks. And then showing that where is the clitoris, where is the labia and vagina. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And how is how is become you know effective in our you know sexual life and uh, for you know uh, male model as well. So I have a big penis model. So I'm just you know getting some jokes about that. It's not about it's not about size. It's about function. Okay, right? Yeah, it's it's a big taboo. Yeah, it's a big taboo as well. So when it becomes to you know popular from Instagram and social media. So people are just aware of that. So normal people, even they didn't, you know, recognize me. They it started to came to my show and uh, my pop talks as well. So just, you know, in an hour, we will get an uh, Sex Without Pain online talks from all over the Turkey right now. So just just for women, because we will focus on, you know, uh, female masturbation and female orgasm this night. Mm. So, you know, I'm quite, you know, excited about that. So if you believe that and if you like your, you know, things so much, I think it, it, it's, it's happening, you know, no matter mm. it was. We yeah. have a, we, we are Islamic country, like, let's say, as we, you know, recognized by, and then we are a traditional background, even, you know, even uh, some ladies that get a good education. And I know from myself, I know from myself, so, you know, all Turkish society, like, you know, all society, like, a, you know, uh, traditional background. I, I think we need that, that talks, that, you know, open uh, conversation and getting mm-hmm. right, you know, information from the experts. Yeah. And Ali, man, one of the things I want to just observe, I don't know if Vivek has seen any of the actual, again, I don't speak Turkish. I'm assuming, Vivek, you don't either. But when you watch some of these videos, it's fascinating because she uses humor. And there's clearly education and empowerment of the women, but also the men. The men are learning because in this atmosphere, the women are sharing things they may they, they may not have ever shared with their partner, but here they're sharing it in public, in a pub, you know. So yeah. it just shows you again how how she's able to, in this kind of matter of fact, let's just talk about the you know the the nuts and bolts. We're all we're all here, we're all adults here, like you said. This is pee and poop. I mean, it's not. Oh, it's a little. It's a little more enjoyable than that, but you know what I'm saying, it's it, it's 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 part of human life, and so I think it's uh, it's just so refreshing um, and uh, stimulating and kind of exciting that you can do this 
and this is the model and maybe this can be carried elsewhere. It should be carried elsewhere. I think uh, the way that she's doing it. So this is exciting. Yeah, I mean, look, let's let's get real. Um, these are activities that adults engage in. And if there's an avenue to be talking about them in a uh, humorous uh, uh, manner, which is uh, non-vulgar, it's educational, mm -hmm. it's leading right. to uh, awareness. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this is something uh, that yeah. uh, is very useful. Uh, and in different uh, countries, not only... Uh, um, quote unquote conservative societies. So exactly, um, exactly. But I, can can I just come back to something she said? Remember, she said even professional physicians, she's educating them. She's not making any assumptions that the yeah. women, and and that's so true because again, we in our, in our medical training, you're a physician also, Vivek. You understand this. We 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 think of that that area as sort of like a vessel <laughs> to which the uh, the the baby is passed through without even thinking really okay more understanding about all the nuances and intricacies complexities of of women's health issues and i think that's what's so important it's it's empowering women giving letting women make sure that their voices are heard and people are informed about their health and that's why i want to come back again to the public they need to demand this it shouldn't be and don't accept because the physician says, oh, this is the answer. I, I want to go back to something I believe I said to you uh, in my talk with John um, when I said my colleague, and I just came back from Brazil, my colleague in Brazil who's an orofacial pain expert, and before he learned about trigger points, he told me about the numbers of patients who had actual teeth extracted because the, mm. the pain was in the tooth, okay? And then subsequently, with this knowledge about myofascial pain and trigger points in your masseter muscles, your pterygoids, your, you know, your temporalis, they deactivate the trigger point, the pain is gone. Unfortunately, so is their damn tooth. You know, it's because some surgeon said, oh, you, you, this is where your pain is. We'll take that structure out. How many mm -hmm. women have had unnecessary surgeries and yeah. had structures removed when all they had to do was see a pelvic health physiotherapist? And I'm getting yeah. angry about it because it, 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 this, is, this is a huge problem. And it's because of the lack of information on our part as clinicians. And it's because many patients still don't know what their rights are and they're not informed. So, you know, I think that's, that's the message here. No, I, you know, uh, I think surgery in some cases obviously is, is the intervention of first resort. But I think a lot of, a lot of people will within the within the sort of medical uh, fraternity would argue that surgery should be the intervention of last resort and Absolutely. you know if it's not being positioned in that way mm -hmm. because of uh, ignorance uh, and what i'm referring to ignorance over here is the yeah. just lack of awareness or the yeah. lack of understanding of of the root cause over here and that's something yeah. that is preventable. it is like one can deliver uh, that education and make it preventable. So, yeah. Yeah, but you, you mentioned ignorance, but I would also use the other slightly similar word, arrogance. There's a certain arrogance among some people to say, oh, I know the answers. This has got to be the solution. And then what happens when you're wrong and the woman now has lost that structure and they still have pain, you know? Yeah. So so I hear what you're saying, ignorance, but I think there's also that element of, of sort of this paternalistic attitude among some physicians that... You know, I know the answer. You're the patient. I'm the doctor. I know that I know what's wrong. So we have to we have to be more humble and know what we don't know. I mean, 
we've we've both been educated in systems that uh, it's very top down. I think that's probably the the uh, most polite way of describing it. But uh, you know, mo moving on from that, um, uh, what can we expect to hear from uh, from you? Yeah, I know you're both giving uh, talks. Uh, I think you're also running a workshop. Uh, give us a sense of what. Um, uh, our listeners can expect, especially those who are interested in attending the conference. Mm -hmm. Ali, Yeah, it's really, you know, it's really good to be, you know, to be in here as a speaker as well, because, you know, this is, this is, this is a special podcast that it's, you know, just reaching so many people that they can, you know, they can listen and listen again. So as a speaker, it's, it's very, you know, uh, Getting sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's challenging. Yeah. But Alima, he's asking about the myopain meeting specifically, right? What is that? Is that what you're, are you asking? Yeah. So the the conference in September, I know that that's you're what he's asking me. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm very excited about you know uh, myopain you know seminars about uh, in 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 Bangalore. Because I never been in India before, and then I'm just you know getting prepared my workshops and getting some jokes about you know some Indian ways. Let's say that if I you know success or not, you know I'm training myself, and then we will do a nice you know three workshops together with Jay and me, and you know in in the conference talk as well. So we will focus on pelvic floor dysfunctions, pelvic pain, and how you know central sensitization, and you know. Uh, visceral somatic and somato uh, visceral convergence it can affect uh, those muscles so it will be very intense but it's step by step you know um, uh, conferences like um, talks uh, that you know if, if you are the you know the listeners are if they are there and attend there so I'm just you know looking forward to meeting with them yeah, I can add to that, Vivek, by saying that so John and I are doing a two day pre-conference workshop, as you know, mm -hmm. all about myofascial pain, central sensitization. How do you assess it using quantitative sensory techniques? What Ali and I are going to focus on is specifically how that relates to the pelvis mm -hmm. and then the signs of sensitization related to that. Of course, she's going to focus and teach people how to palpate pelvic floor muscles. I will teach how to uh, palpate and examine the extra pelvic muscles. And then in terms of treatment, we can use uh, a para, what's called paraspinal needling uh, using acupuncture needles. We can use electrical stimulation with forms of microcurrent just to treat the sensitized segments. So the pelvic area is like from around the T9 level down mm -hmm, to about mm -hmm. you know L, L2, L3, that area. Um, so that is where the, the, so the clinicians who participate will understand how if a patient has a persistent pain problem that may be related to a, a an existing or previous uh, medical or organic visceral condition such as endometriosis, they may have, that may now have left them sensitized. So we need to show the clinicians this is what sensitization is, and this is why they keep developing recurrent pain in this area. And so we need to treat the sensitization. But if you don't mind, I would like to share uh, one more slide because I think it alludes to something that uh, we will also be uh, talking about. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, thank, thank you. So let me and see. while you're pulling that up, just to, to let yeah. the to reiterate to the audience, uh, note how what Jay was describing was non-invasive. Um, yes. So yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely non-invasive. So I think that's that's one of the key things to really understand here. So this is this is going to be really helpful, I think, for your patients, um, the lay public, as well as for the clinicians in the audience. So this is looking at what is called descending pain pathways. Okay, and one of the most important structures in the brain is called the limbic system. This is where we have what's called our emotional affective component of pain. So if you have any type of anxiety, any type of frustration, right, What and you activate your limbic system, these symptoms will be increased, right? But guess what? You can activate this through bombardment from visceral structures and from muscle as well. So please understand that there's dynamic modulation occurring between the brain and what's happening all the way down at the level of the spinal cord. And this information is going to affect um, the peripheral tissues as well. And there's a structure in what's called the midbrain where we have what are called on and off cells. And they mm -hmm. do exactly what you think they do. If you activate the on cells relative to the off, guess what happens? Now you have a supraspinal facilitation, meaning now that even inputs that are coming in that should not be painful are now going to be interpreted in the spinal cord and in the brain as being painful. So what happens is this. We now know that negative emotions, again, anger, frustration, a whole host of things, um, and or hormonal fluctuations, such as during a woman's period, can profoundly increase pain perception, even in the absence of noxious stimuli. So what we're going to teach people is how important it is to examine the muscles, again, extra pelvic, and that's what I will help do. And of course, Ali May will focus on the intrapelvic muscles. And of course, then look for signs of sensitization. And so the last thing I want the audience to understand is this. You can have any type of injury. You can have a trigger point, an injury, arthritis, endometriosis, and that can lead to some type of pain experience. Many patients will start to catastrophize and they will start to anticipate now that this is all associated with illness, right? What's called mm -hmm. negative affectivity. And this is because of the limbic system activation. They develop pain-related fear, yes? And they start to avoid activities, even those that are normally pressurable, pleasurable, right? Depending on where your allodynia is, right? And then they develop disuse, depression, disability, and this becomes a vicious circle. So my colleagues in medicine will assume that just because I eliminate the, what was the cause, whatever mm -hmm. that cause on top is there, it's gone. And the pain should be gone. But no, why is it not gone? Because they're sensitized. So what we are going to teach people is how do we utilize desensitization techniques, intrapelvically, extrapelvically? How do we help the patient confront their pain, decrease their fear, right? Improve their pelvic function, meaning muscle movement, improve function, self-efficacy and recovery. Because unfortunately, and I've been a chronic pain patient myself, so I'm only half, <laughs> this is only being half joking because I've been there myself. This is how many of us see ourselves when we have chronic mm. pain. You know, what we want to do is transform people, have them have this image now that they're, restore control, restore self-efficacy. And I think that's what Ali May is doing in spades uh, in Turkey. And that's why I'm so excited to work with her and to teach with her in this conference. Yeah, thank that's you. brilliant. Thank you for um, letting me share all that. No, that I think you you've summarized something which is uh, incredibly important, um, and it's also very succinct. Uh, it mm -hmm. captures really what um, the attendees can look forward to. 
I mean, I also think it's a it's a hopeful message. Uh, there are a lot of people who are suffering from uh, these issues. And so I think with that positive note, um, I'd like to uh, thank uh, both uh, Alime and Jay for uh, joining us on this particular episode. I deeply appreciate uh, your time and this opportunity. Thank you. To discuss this with experts such as yourself. So thank you very much. No. Thank you, Vivek. Thank Aditi. Thank Elita. This has been a wonderful opportunity, and we are just so excited to be joining people in Bangalore. So thank you. Mm-hmm.